When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared. Sorry for the delay, everyone. Technical difficulties. Like, uh, don't know what's going on, but the hosting website just uh, went a little bit skew if there. So, apologize for that delay. On today's pod, I'm joined by Willie and Stephen. How are you, Willie? I'm doing quite well. Had a great weekend sitting there watching that great game. So, spirits are still quite high. And how about yourself, Stephen? How are you? You're on mute, mate. Yeah, much the same. Basking in the glory of a, a wonderful week of social media delights, which I'm sure I'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about. I, I can never remember. I can't remember it being this good. Put it that way. That's <laughs> oh, an unbelievable week. That's the nicest way to sum it up. It's been a bit of an interesting one. Some of the stuff you see and some of the carry on. It's absolutely brilliant. So let us know your favourite things that you've seen on social media, on the Glasgow Derby, the fallout from that. Let us know in the comments what it is. I want to uh, want to go and check out more of it, enjoy the last you know, the last little bits of it through this international break before we just, uh, you know, get into the swing of things. So what we'll do is just start off. I've got a whole bunch that we've we found funny within our, within our group chat today. So I um, got the boys to send us through. A couple, so we'll go through them. But there's been a couple of things that I found ridiculously funny. There's the old papal conspiracies, which is the reason for the old uh, name of the episode tonight. And there's also letters, the letter to the SFA that we're going to talk about a little later on. But what we'll do first is we'll bring up some posts and some memes and stuff like that because 
why not? It's unbelievable. There's some good stuff there. So we'll start off with this one. 1-0, Michael Beale's mole. Then there's a good Simpsons one. Say the line, Billy. Just wait till next season. Hey! Uh, then there was this post I saw, which I found kind of funny. Rangers on tour. Michael Beale turns 43 today. The club have chosen not to wish him a happy birthday the day after yesterday's old firm defeat on their socials. Probably a wise move considering the stick he's been getting in the course when to be sacked four games in. Willie, what are your some of your favourites that you've seen? Oh, there's just been so many. I mean, the ones I've been that is the long-winded, um, absolute implosions where guys are just absolutely losing their shit over Michael Beale, and it's mostly over Michael Beale and his ineptitude. And it's just, it's just a joy to read. You sit there, everyone, you may be working and people come around the corner, you're sitting there chuckling, scrolling up and down on the phone. There's just so many of them. Like, it's just been great. Like, and it's not ending anytime soon either. It's still going on. So long may it continue, I say. I look at it and go, if this was an um, international break and the result went the other way with how toxic things were for us leading up to this derby, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be a good place to be in right now, especially on a Celtic podcast. But, you know, things are going all right at the moment, all off the back of, you know, one result. But it was funny when I put in the group chat about send through whatever memes or whatever or, you know, any posts you want. Willie just was like whack. And he just dropped about 20 in about, sorry, about, yeah, probably about 10, 20 in about 30 seconds, just bang, bang, bang. Like he had him ready on speed dial, ready to just push the button. It was perfect. What's your thoughts been, Steve? And you got any um, particular faves that you've seen so far? Oh, there's been a number, really. Um, probably uh, top of the list would have been um, yeah, Kamar Roof's Instagram post uh, where he posted up the the picture of him scoring a goal on the weekend. Uh, and it was met with such a barrage of abuse from Hans um, that he was forced to take it down a, a, an hour or so later. It was just constant. There wasn't one positive comment under it, um, and that was that was a joy to behold. Um, I also enjoyed the the clip of uh, the Rangers radio uh, where they were talking about the the Rangers hotel being built and <laughs> um, equipped with a Rangers branded helipad for all those Rangers fans who come to the game by helicopter. We know there's loads of them, um, and a Rangers branded swimming pool. Which is absolutely what you need in the west, in the southwest of Glasgow in the middle of winter. So yeah, that that was brilliant. But my favourite of all was was the you know the one the 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 title of the episode is about you know the one about the the papal conspiracy from the from John Paul II's um, famous mass in Bella Houston Park back in 1982, um, which I was actually at. I was I was there that day and. Um, and I did. I took his advice that they told us to go and um, get any get educated, you know, get any positions of power uh, and start to influence things. So here I am, twelve thousand miles from home, uh, talking pish on a Celtic podcast. So I clearly <laughs> took his advice. <laughs> I think I've got That's that how- post ready to bring up, Stephen. So I'll bring it up on the screen. <laughs> Is that the one you were talking about? Yeah, that's the very one. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah. And we've done it. I'll read it out. The, um, I mean, 
Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll read it out. It stemmed from the yeah. papal visit in 1982 when during his discourse in Bella Houston Park, he told them, that's us, to work hard, getting educated and get into positions of influence in all areas that control life in Scotland, including politics, media, legal, police, local government, to name but a few. We have assisted with their takeover by giving them jobs in areas they wouldn't previously have been so likely to be found because we were trying to be level-handed. I think he's probably trying to say even-handed there, but never mind. Um, brackets, stupid is a better term. Well, you said it, mate. And 40 years on, we are where we are now. And if anyone doesn't believe this, just check the names of sheriffs and more senior members of the judiciary and see proportion of them when compared to the proportion of the population. As the original poster observes, their numbers in the press also. And don't start me about senior local government officers, Glasgow and Monklands Council probably being the most famous. <laughs> End of post. So that was that was lifted out a, a follow follow thread, and um, if you wanted several hours of just complete hilarity, go and go and check it out. Was, I just did not believe these type of people existed and walked among us. The the paranoia, I mean, the accusers, I mean, paranoid. My God, it is off the chart. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, we've got a meme base off the back of that as well. There you go. Yeah. Hope in the bar box. So, yeah, realistically, like, seeing stuff like that, it's the old saying, inject the hunt here straight into my veins. It's, like, absolutely hilarious. Like, they are imploding. It is great. And long may it continue. The guy on Go Radio just trying to tear Barry Ferguson apart and him, Barry Ferguson, fighting back. I mean, that was just... You could sit and listen to that over and over again, like, calling Barry a cheerleader. I'm not a cheerleader. Don't let him take a breath. Don't let him take a breath. Oh, it was brilliant, mate. I think at one point on that, the two of them were almost crying. Well, actually, we were crying. Uh, I think was just, tears as well. Uh, it's end in tears. The pain is just so real. Like, it's just, and even have the most got... ardent of Rangers followers who just will not see anything other than Rangers are the best in the world are now starting to turn on Michael Beale and the board and that. And it's just brilliant to sit there. All these diehards who just put blinkers on the whole time, and now you did the blinkers are off, and they can see what's happening around them. You're just sitting there, going, ha, ha, told you so. Ha. Speaking of that cheerleaders one, here's a nice one for you. <laughs> Derek, don't come on here and call me a cheerleader. <laughs> Brilliant. Whoever's on the, the you know the meme game this week has been absolutely like on fire. Yeah, so um, then we've got a few other memes as well that we'll, we'll bring up. So this was one of my favourites. You might have heard of couples like Brangelina, Benefer, Kimye, Meek Can't Win. <laughs> For those on the audio, it's uh, Cantwell and Raskin next to each other. Um, and then we'll bring up, I've got a few um, other doozies from Follow Follow as well here. So this one here. So they're talking about the results, larger discussion, which just follows on. This is the sort of thing, if you look on the screen, I don't want to read too much, but it's all about the politics of it. And no matter what the Pope, who was running, uh, they're going on about all that sort of good stuff. And there's a reason the SNP got their foot in the door 
majority that finishes off with the majority of Scotland are still Presbyterian. Stop voting these people and so they're making it all political. No, you lost a football game, you idiots. It's pretty simple. So there's things like that. It's just, yeah, as Stephen was saying, follow, follow. It's been comedy value this week. So, um, but we'll finish off this topic with a few of the, uh, yeah, the banner one, all my sons or whatever it was. So here we are, all my sons will be like me. Oh, that one's pretty brutal. Thirteen about thirteen minutes in on the pod, on the uh, YouTube channel for those on the pod. If you want to see the visual, then we've got. If I can get this other one to come up, I oh, yeah, clicked the wrong one there. Yep, yeah, let's get this one up in. Oh, bloody, this thing is frozen again. Lovely. All my all my sons will be like me, and it's the uh, the guy in the orange going you and you and you and you. And that's the guy beside him who couldn't figure out which fingers to use to insult people. Like he was sitting here looking at he's going, hang on a minute, which ones am I meant to use here? <laughs> that was the that was the funniest thing about that wee video. I mean the guy was good, the guy in the orange was going off his trolley and um, that was funny enough, but the, the guy next to him looking really confused about his fingers. <laughs> Uh, it's like when you see a, a, a four-year-old and they sit there going like that. Are you thinking they're being smart? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that guy was like, you know, the Joe Biden. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I was like, if Joe Biden was at, a, at that football game, not sure where to walk, what to do, you know. But this is my favourite one. Yeah. All my sons will be like me and it's the crowd punching on. Perfect. Perfect summary of that stadium and that fan Did base. You see- did you catch the Paddy Power video? Oh, oh, all my yeah. sons will be like me leaving in the 73rd minute. No, you stuff. So I'll bring up a couple of comments here. So Mickey Moynihan. It's like we've passed on all the doubt and angst to them at the weekend. RL77 noticed that several pundits referred to Rangers disallowed goal as their penalty. And as you just touched on the Paddy Power one, strange, or the doctor brought up saying the Paddy Power fellas crushed it. My absolute favourite meltdown was cheerleader McCann live on air trying to appear reasonable. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun week. What's so, that rule book, McCann? <laughs> yep, exactly. You know, this is what the rules are, but don't worry about it. So, um, yeah. We'll bring out Robert Baker as well. Paddy Power are the best at mocking them. They do a good job. So I think we'll leave um, the social media stuff there and get onto some actual stuff. But just for fun times, <laughs> had to, had to. I got the I got the blue button on me on me soundboard over here, so I know exactly which one it is. If it was an orange button, they'd probably be on that one instead. But anyway, let's um, so. Papal conspiracies, as we've touched on, they got the letters to the SFA. So apparently they are, as you were just saying about the rule book, apparently Rangers have written a, a letter to the SFA complaining about the implementation of the of the VAR and how it was used to, um, you know, overrule their goal. Um, we've been through this on Monday. Multiple referees have come out and said that it was the right call. It was a foul anywhere on the field. So suffering your jocks, that's life to say. But it's funny to see them having a whinge again to the SFA. I'm just waiting for who's that, that refs, um, 
boss again, who's a massive hun. I'm just waiting for his name to pop up in the media because we haven't seen that in a little while. So Hugh, Hugh Dallas. Crawford, Crawford Allen. Uh, Crawford Allen, Allen, that's the one. one. That's the guy that only ever comments on Celtic when Celtic yeah. get a marginal offside decision or something and he comes back from his holidays to do that. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep, exactly. So we'll probably get something like this from him, where I don't like the rules. It's a golf arrangers. So, and it's Patrick. The interesting, the, interesting, the interesting thing, isn't it, that nobody actually knows the rules clearly. And um, one, they don't know um, when VAR gets involved because VAR gets it checks every goal and it checks the passage of play up to every goal. So VAR was always going to get involved. Exactly. And, and two, it's clearly a foul by the by the definition of the rule. It was impeded from playing the ball, yeah. therefore it's a foul. So any any letter Rangers have written to the SFA, the response should be one line. It was a foul. I, yeah. I don't know how much clearer it needs to be. Yeah. Yep. By the time Jobby Madhan is coming out and explaining why it was a foul on his Instagram, that, that tells you all you need to know. This is a guy who's not a Rangers fan, but my granddad used to take me to Rangers game until I was a teenager. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's and sitting and there telling and it, and it, and it, it inexplicably stopped going to Rangers and started running. Aye, uh, and then a just, jogger. Aye, and I went to St. Mirren games because they were closer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, aye. yeah, as you said, Stephen, like Mickey Monon, was the fact that it ended up in a goal not mean VAR would have scrutinised it anyway? So exactly what you just said. And then um, Robert Baker, if it was a goal for Rangers, I'd like to bring forward an incident where Kyogo was shoved both hands in the back by Butland. Why wasn't that challenge incident challenged? Yeah, exactly. Like I saw that at the time as well. So, you know, they got away with some stuff. Um, you know, things went against them and now they're not used to that. But before we crack on to the next topic, Stephen, there's a um a comment here for you from Michael Ross. Jeez, WTF has Stephen done? No beard. He looks he's looking ten years younger. Well, I'm happy uh, Michael's paying attention to my appearance. I'll take that as a compliment. But um, as I was saying to the guys before, um, when you start find, finding bits of food left over in your beard, um, then it's time for it to go. <laughs> and for those not living um, in Australia, it was 30 degrees here in Sydney today. Um, and when you've got leftover food stuck in your beard, you know, that that's not going to go well during the course of a really hot day. So I had to come off. Alan McAnally's back in the house. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start growing it again if everybody wants me to. Well, maybe 
you see how many people make comments about it and I'll, I'll maybe grow it out again. I'll be back within a couple of weeks. That's how much of a man I am. You get the say, whole Paul Hartley thing going on and it just... Yeah. By the time this podcast finishes, you'll be like, oh, let, us know, <laughs> let us know in the comments what sort of beard Stephen should grow. I think he should do, um, you know, the guys from uh, Motorhead, massive beard, no moustache, look like a bit of an yeah. Amish guy, something like that. <laughs> yep, that's the one. Let us know what he should grow. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll crack on. So... A uh, new contract has been done for Mitchell Frame uh, from the B team. So he's considered one of the most promising young left-backs in the game, particularly in Scotland. So, Stephen, do you think that him coming through, getting the new contract, could this be the reason that we didn't sign a left-back in the off-season because we want to bring him through to the first-team roster? Or do you think it's just that's just me putting like a, a silver lining and you know, giving too much credit to our recruitment team? Yeah, I mean, it's possible um, that, that that was the reason they're not set on signing a left-back. They maybe want to see how, how this kid does over the next six months or so, because he is very highly rated. Um, and I think the fact he has extended his contract, so, I mean, I think he's only extended it by a year, um, but I think they've probably bumped his money up. Um, and he'll only, he'll only have accepted that if he's been given some kind of assurances that it will at least be considered for first-team action. Um, and given the fact that you know Greg Taylor's not pulling up trees, uh, Burnaby has been pretty ordinary, uh, and aside from that, we'd only have Liam Scales to fill in there. So he's probably got a six-month spell now um, to to really impress. And if he does, I, I can see him getting a shot. Um, I still think though that, that that we'd be looking to sign a left back, preferably in the in the January window. But but you never know. Um, Kieran Tierney landed up in the first team due to injuries um, and, and never looked back. He was basically hardly ever dropped after that and he, he just seized his opportunity with both hands. So, you know, let's hope a, a young kid like this can do it because it's 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 well overdue uh, that we bring a, a kid through from our academy who goes on to be an established first team player. So, yeah, high hopes for this boy. Yeah, I just look at it and go as well, like we need to bring some players through, not just for the home-growing quota, but it's also we want to establish that pathway. And all the talk was from the B team to the first team. It was going to take a couple of years, two or three years, they said, to start to see the benefits of that. So if this is the first step in the right direction, you've got young Anderson going out alone alongside Oluwayemi. They've both gone to our feeder team over in Austria to play and get games there. Those are guys who are looked at as well as potential long-term guys to come through. But... If Frame can come through and put pressure on um, Bernabe in particular as the backup to Taylor over the next six months block, as you're saying, well, then that could be his way of establishing himself into it. So, Willie, what's your thoughts? No, I just sort of echo what you guys saying. I mean, he was man of the match in last season's Youth Cup final and beat Rangers. Um, I know Brighton and Hove Albion and Crystal Palace have both got a keen interest in him, so... They've obviously offered him a new deal to try and fend off these guys' interests. So certainly one for the future to keep an eye on. And all the signs are there for him to try and push on and try and get a wee slot here or there on the bench in the first team, maybe get an appearance against a lower sort of team. So there's a chance there for him. It's it's, it's up to him to try and grab that with both hands now. I wouldn't be against him playing against the bottom six sort of teams in the SPFL. Like in that situation, look, Champions League, you, ha- you might have him on the bench just to keep your quota up that you need. 
right? But like we did with Karamoko and we did with a bunch of other players in the past, but I don't really see him playing against an Aberdeen or a Hearts or, or Sevco or anyone like that. But playing against a, you know, let's have a look here, maybe a St. Johnston or a... St. Johnston or Dundee or something like that. Dundee or someone like that or Ross County, for instance. Even though I think Ross County is going to be a surprise team. Might probably sneak in on the top six, in my opinion. But like against those lower-ranked sort of teams, that's the sort of games where it could be like we're playing two games a week pretty much once we come back from the international break through to Christmas. So if that's how busy our schedule is, Taylor's not going to be able to play them all. Bernabe, we're still waiting for him to break through, have that breakthrough game from him. So if Frame's able to step in and, you know, get into that position, then great, happy days. And John's just brought up something that I said as well about having him on the bench in Champions League for homegrown quota. There we go. Good minds think alike there, John. And RL77 was, I think, scales maybe use it left back. Mostly matches up in pace, passing, et cetera, with Taylor. It's better, better physically. The other thing with that is he gives us some size because in Europe our, our fullbacks were getting targeted in particular last season. So if you've got a six-footer in scales playing at left back and he's got the speed and he's able to – and the physicality to do it, and that allows Johnson, if we switch to a three at the back when we're in possession, Johnson can bomb forward like we used to do with Rogers was there the first time where Lustig would hold, Tini would bomb on forward, then fine. That's something to look at. But, yeah, we've got we've got plenty of options there, so it's um, good to see if he comes through. On the topic of new contracts, we have talks and rumours and articles and all the good stuff about – Apparently, a new contract for Matt O'Reilly is going to be on the table shortly. So, for me, my opinion on this is we turn down Leeds' offer for £10 million for him. If that happens, you've got to give him a new contract, sign him up long-term, give him a bump in wages and show him the love and everything. He seems to be enjoying playing for Rogers. So, I think that's some good business for the club if we go and do that. Stephen, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd be delighted. To get that piece of business done, um, he, he's been fantastic uh, the last couple of games for us. I think on the weekend he was arguably the man of the match against Rangers, um, and it, and it, a lot of it was down to his defensive work rather than that he's an attacking output. Um, he's at the perfect age. Um, he, he, he's got a lot of improvement in him. He's on the fringes of the Danish national team, who are a very good team. He has already got experience of playing in England, so he's well known down there. So. You know, O'Reilly's a player we could get real big money for. He could even go for more money than Jota, potentially. Um, so it, it makes a lot of sense to get him tied down in a long-term contract, uh, put him on bigger money. And then if we are going to entertain bids, it certainly won't be around the 10 million mark. Um, but I'd be happy to, I'd be happy for O'Reilly to stay around uh, for another couple of seasons yet because he really seems to, seem to love playing under Rodgers. He seems to be um, thriving. And um, he also seems to have taken on a bit of a leadership role. He, he does a lot of the interviews. He does front of cameras a lot. And he seems to be talking a lot more than he did last year to, to his teammates through, uh, in-game. So um, I think he, he is developing as a player. And um, he, he's only going to get better. So fantastic piece of business if we can get it done. Plus what you're saying there, Stephen, he's fronting up for all the media stuff, doing the photos, and, and the Celtic Mars love him. So what, what more can I say? They think he's a bit of a boy. Right, to use an Australian top term there. Yep. 
<laughs> but um, Andrew Galea says here, all our squad are under contract to 20, the 2028. Why not O'Reilly too? Perfect. And an RL77, O'Reilly should be our future captain. So there's some big rap, raps on him there. Willie, your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with RL77. I mean, he could be a future captain if they're ever going to take um, Carl McGregor off for injury or whatever. He could be one of the players that he'll run over to and hand the armband to because he's certainly, as Stephen said, he's absolutely thriving under Brendan Rodgers. He's really taken to his hands-on man management style where he'll put his arm around you and tell you what he wants and that. I don't think he got that kind of lab off of hands and it's certainly shown in the way he's been playing. And his, his performance at the weekend was... Exemplary, like he was by he was a standout in there. In the middle, him and McGregor in the middle of that part were standouts, along with Liam Scales. I thought the three of them were just exceptional. He can play six, he can play the eight, he can play the ten, he 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 can play anywhere in that three three midfield positions that we would look to have. And hopefully, when we get Rio back after the international break, we'll have that formidable three man midfield that that um, we know will be really good going forward when we head into Europe. So, I'm all for this new deal, right? Yep. Got a comment from Mickey Moynihan here as well. Who's vice captain? Carter Vickers. That's who I think it is. So he'd have to be around. Yeah, the it's, either him or, it's either him or Joe Hart, isn't it? Maybe yeah, Joe Hart, Hart maybe. Yeah. yeah, who knows? Yeah, no big song and dance about it anyway With um in the media. Unlike, you know, if uh, the toilet rolls hung the right way in a, in a cubicle over in at Ibrox, there's a big like media release comes out. So, you know, I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you. But Alan Woods is saying it's either CCV, Hard or Taylor. So there you go. Didn't realise Taylor as well. So there we go. Um, we're going to do something we haven't done in a little while here. We're going to talk about the Celtic women's team for a minute. So the Celtic women's team have progressed into the Champions in the Champions League by beating Bromby 1-0. There's a goal to Kelly Clark. On top of that, they are also top of the league. Um, yeah, we had Glasgow City and, you know, the Hunnets having a, a draw or something and dropping some points. So that's why they're top of the league there. So I want to say it's a great result for the club. On top of that, with the team being stripped back to the bare bones this season compared to last season, I think Fran Alonso and his white jacket and the coaching staff and the actual playing staff have done a wonderful job to be top of the league and progressing in the Champions League. So just wanted to give them a shout-out. Also, they have a goal differential of plus 31 after five games in the season. So they're absolutely banging them in, something chronic. So, yeah, with the Women's World Cup, it's, you know, making the eyes, you know, pay a bit more attention here and there. So... I thought give them a bit of a shout out on the pod, Stephen. You got anything you want to add about the women's team? Yeah, I'll just echo everything you said there. It's great to see um, the women making strides and, and improving. So that's obviously their first victory in the in the Champions League against Bromby. So they're, they're improving season on season, and that's that's what you can that's all you can hope for. Um, it'd be good to see them winning the league um, next. That that should be their next target, and that's going to be difficult because I think. Glasgow, both Glasgow City and Rangers, uh, both invest more money than Celtic do in the women's team, and it'd be good if the if the club could do something about that and get us on a, a level playing field with them. Um, but all credit to Fran Alonso um, to take the team turnover they had in the in the off season and uh, to bounce straight in and start knocking, you know, nine goals past some teams 
and I know there's some of the teams in the in the top league in, in Scotland are, are not up to the same quality. Um, it's still an excellent achievement with a with a brand new team. So full marks to him, and I hope we go and have a really successful season. Be good to see a few of the bigger games at Celtic Park, and uh, we could get a big crowd through the gate again and, and get some some good atmospheres there. So looking forward to seeing how they go. Speaking of the big games, there, Stephen, like I'll throw to you off the back of this one, Willie, but playing a few more games at Celtic Park, I think, and is a big, a big move. Also, building up Barrowfield, having a stadium there for the B team and the women to play out of week in, week out, instead of being playing out at wherever they are. Was it Air Air United Stadium or something like that? It's um, it'll be good to get them, you know, down the road from Celtic Park most of the time. On top of that, though. The women doing well in the Champions League, the men are in the Champions League, and when the men are playing in the Champions League, our B team is playing against the youth teams for each of the opponents in the Champions League group as well, so Atletico Madrid, Lazio, and Feyenoord. So realistically, we've got all three of our teams playing Champions League this season. So that's a bloody brilliant result as well for the club in terms of the women to develop, the Colts to develop, and the... um the seniors to get games. So, Willie, what's what's your thoughts off the back of what we've said? No, it's good to see that the women are, are making strides. I mean, I think Fran Alonso is operating with the fourth highest budget in the league. He's not up there with Rangers and Glasgow City. That, that, that's been sort of already proved. They lost a lot of players. The, Pam, the goalkeeper, Pam Atahanar, um, Jacinta, Olivier Chance from New Zealand, Tash Flynn, Liv Ferguson, Claire Ryden, the Irish international, they all left. And he, he he's turned it around, and you, you see that amount of players leave. You automatically you think, oh, here that's not things aren't going to be as good as they were last year. But he's top of the league. I mean, they beat Hamilton seven one, Dundee United nine 0 Spartans away, Hibs away. So Fran Alonso seems to be working miracles there, and hopefully he can keep it going. And to hear that the B team is going to be playing all the 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 B teams of the the teams we're playing in the Champions League that can only enhance their game too. So. Seems to be a lot of positives going around at the moment. Yeah, hundred percent. So I'm going to bring up some comments on this here. So Mickey Moynihan was watching the women, but my stream froze. Lassie and on loan from Real looks like looks the bomb. Alan Woods, well done, the birds. Michael Ross bring back Jacinta. Strange Love is saying Fran's a better manager than the Moldy one. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, Mickey Moynihan. Is Barrowfield dream up on bricks? I'd hope with the amount of money in the bank we've got, we're either going to spend some cash on the, on the first team or actually put it in bricks and mortar and build an asset for the club, which is good. Alan Woods. Don't slake the second greatest ground in the world, Somerset Park. My bad. I bow down to your knowledge. And the the last... Shibri Excelsior they play at, is it not? Yeah, I think it's yeah, Excelsior. They play at Airdrie's ground, Excelsior. Yeah. Mm. And as, a, as an Ayrshire guy myself, I can confirm that Somerset is not the second greatest ground in the world. <laughs> and Macaroon, 
How long are we going to continue going to virtue signal about women's football? Honestly, couldn't care less. That's the thing about opinions. They're like assholes. Everyone has one. I'm not virtue signaling. I actually give a shit about our club across the board, not just the men's, not just the first team in the men's. I want to see the Colts yeah. do well. I want to see those players come through. I want to see the women do well. If you're wearing a Celtic jersey, at the end of the day, I want to see you do well. So it's not virtue it's signaling. A, it's, all about, it's all about growing the brand of Celtic. It, it, it's never, do, never going to do the brand of Celtic any harm seeing the women's team and the Colts team doing well. That's that's the sort of nonsense statement that makes me really yeah. really annoyed because it's it, it's just garbage. I mean, you, you can all of your um, you can all of your your likes and dislikes, and you're, nobody's forcing you to watch the women's game. But it, it's certainly doing the whole club's profile as a whole um, a lot of good, uh, and it'll benefit us commercially in the long run. And it'll get more if it gets more fans through the turnstiles for for, for any of the teams. Then you know all the better for the club. Mm-hmm. I have two young daughters, man. I'm going to try my hardest to get them into the women's football. There you are, girls. Come on, sit and watch the ladies' teams with dad. Eh? See if they can get them into that way, one way or another, because they're, they're all re- rainbows and unicorns at the moment. They're not interested in it. Like, so maybe if I put the women's team down on, they'll sit and watch it with me. Coming at it from a completely different point of view, from outside of the Glasgow bubble and everything as well, growing up in Australia, sports is a massive part of the of the culture over here. And Stephen, you'd know that having moved over here, being in Sydney, Willie, it's the same in New Zealand. It's a massive part of the culture across the two countries. And the the highest pop, like sports for women in Australia, in particular, are football and netball. And in basketball is in third. They're your three biggest sports. In men's, football is in the top two, I think it's either, it's either football or basketball. One of those two is your, is it? So at the end of the day, like if you look at it that way, it's for me, it's, it's a massive thing. You want to play sport you and the value you get, not just within supporting your club, but you become a better human by playing sport. That's my opinion. Growing up on it, you learn to, to be a team player, you learn how to work together, you learn how to communicate directly, you learn a whole bunch of that. If you've got those skills, that carries over to your future work life, family life, and everything else that goes with it. And those skills develop a lot quicker in a sporting environment. So for me, I look at it and go, if there's an opportunity for Willie's daughters in the future to play football, great. It's going to help make some great humans moving forward. So at the end of the day, that's that's me carrying on a little bit, going on a bit of a rant, but sport is a massive thing. And I don't care, as I said, I don't care if it's the men's first team, the women's team or the B team. You're playing for Celtic, you're putting that shirt on, I want you to do well. Yeah, well said, Chad. Now, what I'm going to do is... We're going to put this up. I want to see the comments. That's the last meme I had to show you from the from early on. Name the midfield pairing. Funny comments only in the comments. I want to see them. We'll, we'll bring some up later in the pod. All right. So, um, yeah, we'll get that going. And we'll get back to the, the next topic, which is the regulations have changed for the supporter buses going to the game. So it's a whole bunch of info. It's been spoken about 
I want to get your opinion on it in particular, Stephen, because you'll have more of an idea on this than me. So I'm just going to touch off the cliff notes now and then we'll jump to you. So apparently there's going to be a whole change of of, um, of plans for the buses going to games, which only cover football. So not rugby, not going to concerts, just the football. And there's a desire for buses not to stop within 10 miles of a stadium before or after a match without permission. Under the plans, buses would also be banned from stopping at pubs unless alcohol was sold ancillary to a substantial meal. Buses will have to arrive no earlier than two hours before kickoff and no later than one hour before kickoff. And they will have to be on the road again within 30 minutes of full time. Those running the buses have to have a contact with a dedicated football officer 48 hours before the match to detail the number of vehicles, travellers, contact details. Now the league and all them are kicking back and pushing back on it. So there's been some backlash. But what's your take on that, Stephen? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's enormously disappointing to see this sort of thing. And and I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what problem they're trying to solve here, which they think has been caused by supporters' buses. Um, when I was up, as I mentioned earlier, I was born and raised in Ayrshire uh, and travelled to all the Celtic games home and away on a, on the Irvine Celtic supporters bus. And surely you're better with people going to the games on a bus. You know, you're, it's easier to police and, and it's all in one place. Um, and, and there's no need for strict draconian rules around what you can and can't do. Uh, back in the 80s, there used to be these things called football special trains. I don't know if you remember them, Willie. And and it was just absolute carnage. And and they, they stopped them because everybody was getting hammered on the trains. It was fighting when you came off the train at the at the at your destination station. Um so so it, it was just far better for everyone concerned to, to go and support those buses. And I was having a read at this today, and at the moment it's just a consultation document uh by a guy called the senior traffic commissioner in the UK government. Um, and he's trying to mirror in Scotland what they have already in England, where these real, these these regulations that you were talking about there, Jared, are already in force. But in England, they had a massive problem with football hooliganism, as we know, through the through the 70s and 80s. And that the, these rules were kind of brought in to combat that, to combat, you know, big mobs of guys arriving, pouring off buses and having prearranged fights and all that. And that, but that's not a problem we really have in Scotland, and certainly not to that extent. Um, so this is something that I think has managed to do almost the impossible, and it's managed to unite every team in Scottish football in resistance to this. It's also managed to unite all the political parties, so SNP, Labour, and even Douglas Ross from the Tories, who, who the banner described perfectly at Celtic Park. He's even come out today um, in opposition to these moves. So it's important to understand that it is only a consultation document at the moment and there is time for us to push back against it. Um, and, and that's what we need to do. We need to do everything we can to stop this coming into, coming into power because, you know, it will take away... The, the amount of Celtic fans that travel on buses, this will have a real effect on them. And how does it work as well for those coming over from, like, Northern Ireland on, on ferries and those coming over up from England and how's all that work? How are they going to enforce all this? I can't see how, exactly how it works, but there's some comments here. Mickey Moynihan, another another ploy to limit our freedom of movement. Um, Andrew saying resist it, stand up and fight back. 
Alan is need all club supporters to resist this. And we've got the club needs to support their supporters. And we've got um so there was this funny thing is while you were talking there, Steve, and I just got the update from the club on Twitter. That's just they've shared the link on this on this exact topic as well. So there's a statement. So I'll read the statement and then you let us know your thoughts on the whole situation and the statement, Willie. So it reads, Celtic Football Club have today made the following statement regarding recent proposals announced by the Traffic Commissioners for Great Britain, the government body which regulates bus travel across Britain in relation to coaches taking football supporters to matches. Celtic FC are closely monitoring the proposed new rules for fans travelling to matches on public hire vehicles which have been issued by the Traffic Commissioners for Great Britain. Celtic has discussed these proposals with groups representing the interests of supporters travelling to matches, including the Celtic Supporters Association, the, the affiliation of registered supporters clubs and our supporters groups in Ireland. The club shares our supporters' serious concerns that these proposed measures would do nothing more than demonise football fans, unnecessarily targeting one particular sport and its supporters. Supporters are the lifeblood of the game, with thousands each week contributing each weekend contributing positively to the sport in Scotland, yet these proposals would negatively affect a large proportion of supporters travelling to matches. Celtic will engage robustly with the consultation process, outlining the club's deep concerns with the proposals consulted upon. So, Willie, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's another stupid move, I would say. Um, I used to come down from the, the Caithness, on the Caithness supporters bus and it was a five-hour journey one way. And sometimes you'd be there a good three hours before kickoff. What do you expect you to do? And that's it. It's the same with the buses from Ireland. They'll catch a ferry, they'll, they'll, they'll get on the ferry, get off the ferry and roll on. What do you want to do? Just do laps of Glasgow until you get, get into that two-hour time frame where you can just roll up and park the bus up. It, it just doesn't make sense to me, like... Um, it's going to hit bus firms. Bus firms won't won't hire out buses because they know it will not work. Local establishments around the area. Because like, like when we arrived three hours before kickoff, the guys would go down to London Road Tavern or the turnstiles, have a couple of jars before the game and then head up. These pubs make a bit of money out of it. The same with the away games. You go up to somewhere like Dingwall, the local pubs thrive on that, like the Glasgow teams arriving. And as for as for getting them away from the grounds within half an hour, have they? I, I take it they've never actually looked at when the Celtic play Rangers at um, Hamden, that's just carnage on the way out of there. Like, you know what I mean? You be you can sit in one place for half an hour. So it just doesn't that's make up. sense. That's up. That was my main point as well, Willie. Look, I'd heard that from a couple of other friends that I know as well over there, and they were saying that when you go to Hamden and it's a 50-50 split where the bus parking is to get out of – if you're on the opposite side of the stadium to where the bus parking is, by the time you get out of your seat, through the concourse, around the outside of the stadium with all the police diversions and everything to keep the sets of fans apart to then get through to the bus parking, you'd be lucky to yeah. get there within 25, 30 minutes. And that's if you left right on the 90 minute and there was no stoppage time. If it goes at longer and all that sort of stuff, you know, it's going to be a struggle. And then you know, suddenly have people rushing trying to get to the buses. Then you're going to end up with like – football fans involved in crush situations and that and concourses at stadiums and that sort of stuff. And then that's just going to be all sorts of issues again. So to me, I just look at the flow on effects of this going that getting out and back to the bus within 30 minutes, they they're running the risk of a different version of the uh, Hillsborough situation. Some of the stadiums where there's not much clearance space for people to get through. What are they, what are they expecting? And then on top of that, 
as you said, Willie, about pe- people spending money, going to the pubs on the way to games and everything. If you leave and you're not allowed to stop to pick up beers, pick up drink, food, whatever, on the way there and back as well, it's just an absolute crock. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a going to be a bit of a doozy just to see how that all goes. But um, yeah, we just go here with Pete's comment. At least it looks like the SPFL and the SFA might actually grow a pair and stand up to this about bloody time. You got anything else you want to add to that, Stephen? Yeah, no, just just take whatever that's, that's been said. Um, you know, it's 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 all part of the demonization of, of working class football fans. Um, we seem to be the only part of the population that, that that has to put up with this kind of thing. They would never attempt to do that with the with rugby fans, for instance. Even though you know there's probably as much trouble at rugby matches uh, as it is at football matches, or certainly more drink consumed. Uh, but it's all put down as uh, you know good natured banter by the toffs. Um, and we've been putting up with this all my years of supporting football, uh, the demonisation of the fans, whether it's from you know kettling of um, of ultra groups trying to get to the games or or anything like that, and and it's just it's ridiculous and it's something that we do have to resist. I don't think they're going to get away with this. There's too much unity in the Scottish game in opposition to this. Um, so I, I think. In this scenario, there'll be enough to stop them from doing this. And if we can kick the can down the road at least till next year, um, there'll be a change of government in in, in Westminster, um, and this sort of thing might be off the table then. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the club the club statement I've just read it myself. It's um it's pretty strongly worded, and and I'm glad to see they they're taking a stand on it. And let's hope other clubs do the same, and, and we can all present a united front on it. There's no grey area in that statement at all, which is very rare for a Celtic statement. So that's yeah. what, that's the thing that I take out of it more than anything. Hopefully we'll see a statement from the Huns as well now, because they definitely like a statement, don't they? <laughs> Their statement will be, why was that a free kick? <laughs> when are we getting our penalty? <laughs> all right. So what we'll do is we'll... Um, Something that was mentioned in that group chat from Anthony was he was saying that in the media there hasn't been a lot of uh, props being given to Brendan Rodgers for getting his tactics right against the Huns. And not a, he goes, mm-hmm. not enough has been made of this point. Uh, the majority of how bad Buell was, how bad Rangers were and all that sort of stuff. So give a little shout out on that. And I'm going to bring up some comments and then we'll go from there through to our I asked for Twitter questions and topics and just statements and stuff on Monday for the pod and then had technical difficulties. My computer crashed and didn't get to them, so we'll bring them on tonight. So um, Macaroon did a nice one. Morning Drongo. has got to love a good Drongo. It's a great word, so that's the only reason I brought that up. Um, Michael Ross, is there any update on Tilio? Does he actually exist? There is footage of him walking into the stadium and people going how tiny he is. So he does exist. Apparently he's due to be back in training after the international break. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I thought he was training already. I thought he was um did they not did Brendan not mention he was back out on grass a few weeks ago? Yeah, in the middle of September. I thought they, they were they were talking about him being being fit. So I mean yeah. could be I mean I definitely there's been nothing much coming out of the club, um, but but I think the, it was mentioned before the middle of September time. 
Yeah, the talk was that he was in the gym doing training and then on grass, like running laps and just doing that, but not taking part in contact training. And it was he'll be ready back doing that by the end of the by the end of the uh, international break. So that's that's the last I heard anyway. I actually know his dad, so I'll ask him. Get us the scoops. <laughs> we'll have to change your name on the screen from Stephen to Scoops. He actually scoops. works in the same place as me. Is he? Yeah. Well, there you go. Come on, get get the get the goss, Stephen. Then we'll call you Scoops see McCutcheon. What... There you go. It's your official name. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. All right, Andrew Reid commented. I was worried when I saw Scales at centre half, but he was a rock compared to Lagerbelka. Um, I'm not too worried about Lagerbelka. I think he'll come good. Scales, yeah, he was probably one of the better players I for think, us on the weekend. See, Lagerbelka, that's a big game for a 23-year-old to be thrown into. Like, like you said last week, Stephen, when we talked about Nate Phillips, Nate Phillips would have topped Lagerbelka through that game, and I think that's the one thing that was lacking in Lagerbelka. I to just say, keep ahead. The ball, don't don't punt it too far along. Just keep it straight. Let's keep it all simple. I think that's the one thing that was missing in last week was a cool head in the defence just to talk them through it. Like, but they did really well. Like, they maintained possession. They main, maintained control of the game by the tempo. They couldn't get a grip of us in midfield. We're playing nice, clever little passes between the lines, and they just couldn't live with us. In the end, they ended up shelling the ball long, and they couldn't do anything else other than that. They just, like I say, they dictated the style and the tempo of the game. And it was a be- beautiful to watch. Like, and the, one of the best bits of the game for me was watching um, Kimar Roof shouting at his midfield to try and get on top of Callum McGregor. And they wouldn't do it. Like, in the second half, they came out and it was Kimar Roof who was marking him. Like, so it just goes to show you, like, they were just tactically inept against us. Like, they just couldn't figure out what we were doing. And that's just credit to Brendan Rodgers because he just knew. Right, okay, I've got a makeshift defence here. This is how I'm going to have to play it. I'm going to have to. The, the Glasgow Derby is usually 100 mile an hour. He slowed it down and he controlled the tempo. Brilliant. Beautiful to watch. Got some comments on this as well. So, Andrew was McGregor looked after the young centre backs. Macaroon was anyone else love Ralston at the end and bigging up the two centre backs? Like, oh, uh, yeah. By the time Scotland games start, this story will die. Eh? So it's talking about the old transport thing as well. Clicked on the wrong message. That's why that one come up. Um, so what I'll do is, strange love the doctor off the back is, Rogers deserves all the credit for the victory at Mordor. I was concerned when he saw the lineup executed the plan perfectly. First half dominated with the ball, second half without. Exactly. I wasn't too really worried. Um so I'm going to bring up some of the, the Twitter comments and that just for overall thoughts on the game. So P. Cresswell said it was a fantastic win, especially since we played for an hour with 10 men. The game passed Turnbull by. Surely that's the last that we see in the midfield. Stephen, what do you think of that? Yeah, look, I think we've all had our concerns about Turnbull um, and I don't think that game did him did any favours. Um, I think... He's probably been a little bit harshly judged uh, by the fact that you know he, he didn't get on the ball enough, and and he didn't he didn't he didn't seem to be pressing with any energy. But I think he did a lot of good off the ball running, which was creating space for for McGregor to pick up the ball, uh, and he was part of the you know the little passing triangles that they had going that was making space for the for McGregor and O'Reilly. So, like, 
I, I worry for him because you know he's got um, he's got home breathing down his neck now for that position. Who played well when he came on uh, in his cameo role in the second half, uh, and now you get Paulo Bernardo at the club. He'll be another one looking for a midfield position, uh, as well as Rio Hitati being fit again. So I, I don't think you'll see much of uh, David Turnbull moving forward, um, and I don't think he's he sees the chance um, that he's had to impress anyone. So I, I think he did okay on the weekend, but didn't do anything to suggest he's he, he's improving as a player or, or he's going to hold down a place moving forward. The other thing there, Stephen, as well, as you said, a contract at the end of the season hasn't been extended as well. So realistically, if he's not in the long-term plan, then it prob- if he is not extended by the break, then more than likely he'll be off in off in January, you'd think. Yeah, I think that's probably likely, to be honest. If he hasn't extended now, um, I don't think he'll have... Um, I don't think he'll get any long-term future at the club. Yeah. Pete McGee says, Stephen, Dave... Turnbull was trotting around in space, but he wasn't showing for an out ball from the other two midfielders. Yeah, that's how I saw it as well. Got some other comments here. So, Willie, quintessential, said, well, I certainly hope no one on this podcast spends time laughing at Mr. Neil McCann. We've already had a chat on that one. But then another one was how Celtic follower was, how good did Scales handle the game being such an underdog in the fixture? So, Willie, what what... What's your thoughts there? Uh, I thought Scales was fantastic. I thought he was a, it was a he got the players, he got the man of the match in the stadium, and you can't argue with that. He he handled himself, he acquitted himself just beautifully, like throughout the whole game. Just kept it simple, didn't do anything over fancy. Just did what he needed to do and got out of there. Like it was, it really was a good performance. And I owe the boy an apology. I said last week in the podcast, if him and David Turnbull start, we would lose the game. And I, I'm, I was completely wrong on that one night. And as soon as I seen his name on the team sheet, I, I, like I was just like, "Oh, here we go. We're in for a hiding here tonight." Like, but not. They played it perfectly. They kept it simple, and they, they did what they needed to do, and they got the result. That was, and, and that's, that's all that matters. Like, you know, what I mean, ten out of ten for his performance. Like, perfect. I put my hand up, Willie, and say I'm eating humble pie with you as well because I said. Yeah. I'd be if I saw scales on there, I'd be a little bit was hoping Phillips would be fit, ready to play, and you know, so I thought scales would be the weak link in the back line, and then I said if Turnbull and O'Reilly play together in the midfield, forget it, we'll be lucky to get a point. Yeah. So Turnbull was pretty much non-entity, but we we overcame that, and scales, yeah, he seems to do well against against the Huns. So yeah, it's um, I'll eat that humble pie alongside you, Willie. And the last comment here for you, Stephen, is from Jerry Taylor. Who partners Phillips at the back now? Scales or Lagerbelka? Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you know, Scales is, is left footed, um, and Phillips tends to play on the right. So you might find it Scales that play there, and I think Scales is the better of the two of them if you have to pick between him and Lagerbelka from the from the game on Sunday. Um Lagabielka I didn't think was as bad as some people were saying. Um, a couple of the other podcasts have been flaming his performances, but I thought he did okay. Um, obviously, had his, he had his mistake where, he, where the Rangers had the goal disallowed. He, he was caught in possession there, definitely too slow and ponderous. Uh, but I think he sort of learned from that and grew into the game. And definitely second half, when they were just resorting to sort of shelling balls out of our box, um, him and Scales both stood up tall and got their head on everything. So, 
you know, I think the two of them as young players can can take a a lot of, a lot of credit for that. Uh, even though we'll probably not see the two of them playing together again. Um, but it will be interesting. I think I wouldn't rule out seeing Scales keeping his place in the team uh, when we run out against Dundee next Saturday and with, with Phillips on the right-hand side of the two. Yeah, we've got some comments here. So Andrew Galea was, Scales was good. Hope we never need him again. I'm hoping that performance was a starting point for him to jump off and do something well. I'm hoping it wasn't his Ibrox moment in the way Bain had his when he first signed for the club. Michael Ross was... Most of us feared the worst, so hats off the scales. And Pete McGee, scales is much more experienced in the SPFL than Lager, so it's a no-brainer if Phillips plays. I think they probably will play scales. Um, they might just give Lager Bell kind of a couple of weeks just to breathe, you know what I mean? He's only just come in the door and he's played in one of the biggest fixtures in Europe, so he might just sit down around and say, that you just take a couple of weeks to try and sort of get a grip of your surroundings now and then we'll get you back in the team. And just give scales a couple of games to go next next to Nate Phillips. Might be something they do, right? We'll see. I'm sure uh, Brendan will figure it out. He's not going to be watching in our podcast looking for tactical ideas from us lots. So we'll be all right. But to finish the pot off, we'll um we'll go back to this. Name the midfield. So you got your you know, your Raskin and Cantwell look alikes there. So we had a couple of comments come through. So Andrew Reid, too easy, Herlock and Cantwell. And RL77, carry on skating is his name for it. So we got those ones. Um, my final thought, because we'll finish with them, I'll answer a question for it. So, Stephen, you got a final thought for the podcast? Yeah, one one thing I didn't like on social media this week was the the, the video that was put up of a guy following Todd Cantwell through the airport, um, giving him a bit of abuse. Um, I think that should be off limits. I don't think you should be harassing players like that in a public space, even though he's a massive tool um, and, and he brings a lot of it on himself. But I think I think that one was just a bit off, and, and I didn't like it much. So um, we can we can give him plenty of abuse and have a good laugh about it without following the public. And Willie, final thought? Yeah, this, it's only four games in the season. Let's not make any hasty decisions here. Like, Beal must stay. <laughs> I have to agree. And for my final thought, we had a question from Andrew Galea early on. Jared, thoughts on Montgomery and possibly Musket joining the coaching ranks in Scotland? So for me, I look at it and go, I don't think Musket would go over there until he's finished this season in, in Japan because they're pretty much halfway, almost maybe three months left in the season. If he if they were to sack Beal and appoint Musket, I wouldn't be fearful, but that's exactly what they need in terms of the way he would bring everyone together, have his us-against-the-world sort of mentality is exactly what they need. On the other hand, Montgomery going to Hibs, another perfect appointment for me. Attacking football... Likes to bring through young players. I think that would be a great fit for him as well. And I know he could do that job. So it'd be great to see the next generation of Australian coaches coming into Europe. It took forever to break that glass ceiling and Ange to finally get over there with when he came over to us. Now he's seeing other coaches start to move over there. So yeah, it'd be great. So my final thought is Musket stay in Japan. Monty, good luck at Hibs. Thanks everyone for tuning in. 
enjoy your weekend with no football. It's going to be weird. And, um, yeah, we'll chat to you next week. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.